Welcome to Pair at the Point, the Pittsburgh Penguins podcast of the Faceoff Hockey Network. Follow us on Twitter at Pair at the Point and at the FHN. Visit thefhn.net for daily hockey articles and casts. So we have some wild news from around the league. Uh, all the expansion lists for the 30 NHL teams was were submitted. Uh, there was a roster freeze on Saturday. There was a flurry of activity prior to that. Uh, and the Penguins made a move, which was pretty substantial. We're going to get to all of it, try to break down uh, some of the most pertinent points. Definitely a little surprised with a couple things. Uh, definitely a little disappointed with a few others. Uh, shocked by some of the news around the league. Let's get to right into it. Yeah, so I think the craziest thing that happened over the weekend was all of the trades. I don't think anyone was really expecting it. And I think people were trying to get some assets back for people that they thought were going to get taken in the expansion draft. I think it's an interesting tactic, but I'm not sure that it worked for anyone. I feel like everyone just is now going to lose multiple players, the including only, the Penguins. The only team that I think maybe it worked for was... Colorado. I was really looking to see who actually made a decent trade. They traded Ryan Graves from their decor, who was going to definitely be exposed as their fourth D, and they got a second round pick and Maltsev, a, a decent prospect, back. So you know, if you're if you're going to lose one good player, and they're not re- they're not really exposing anybody great, they were really the only team that made out through this strategy. I I have a huge problem with this whole idea of let's. Let's trade the guy we think Seattle's going to take to get some assets. But the problem is, for most of these teams, you're still giving up yet another good player that Seattle's then going to select. And you have to protect the assets as well. Yeah. So if you're trading for someone better, I mean, I'm thinking about the Flyers. I mean, they had to, they got, they went out and got Ellis, and then they had to turn right back around and protect him. You know, Toronto went out and got McCann, and then they didn't even protect him yeah so it just kind of didn't really make sense logically and i i think what the teams were doing i think they were trying to make sure seattle didn't have such a successful first season like the knights did but i i don't think this logic worked either i think that they're going to be a very good team so that three-way trade uh nolan patrick from the flyers eventually ends up in vegas uh cody glass uh, Vegas high pick from a few years back ends up in Nashville and Ellis ends up in Philly. I understand this and also Philip Myers just thrown in as an additional piece uh, went to Nashville. I get this from the Flyers perspective. I kind of get it from the Nashville perspective. Uh, I definitely get it from the Vegas perspective. They think they can rehab Nolan Patrick. Main reason the Flyers did that is because they they had one extra they had too many forwards and not enough defense worth protecting. They didn't want to protect Goss's bear, and you know Ellis was worth that spot. So if they can unload him, they already waived him. I get that. From their perspective, cool. San Jose trading Aiden Hill for a second made sense. However, there's some ones that, like you said, don't make any sense. Ours, which we'll get to, um, didn't seem like a good maximization maximization of assets. To be totally frank, let's see um, who else. The rights to Barkley Gaudreau, if you're Tampa, you, you'd kind of hope that Seattle just takes that. Um, you can always trade those rights at the draft. The Islanders, I think, I don't know. The Andrew Ladd contract was an albatross, and they knew it. 
Um, but trading two seconds and potentially a third if he plays any games, that's kind of an overpay just for a salary cap dump. Well, and let's let's segue, just so we can get to the Penguins in a little while, let's segue to the unprotected and protected players around the league that are kind of surprising. And I think the Islanders are the weirdest list out of all the lists that have been released. I mean, there's been some weird lists. Y- uh, yeah. But they're definitely the dumbest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, their top playoff performers the last two years. Bailey and Eberle. I mean, you could argue there, that Bailey I mean, there, but... were, there were multiple great playoff performers. You don't get that far in the playoffs two years in a row without multiple. I'm just saying, two of their top, they left unprotected for... People on the wrong side of 30 that aren't going to help their team moving forward. And I just do not understand it. So relatives who are Islanders fans have tried to justify this move from Lamorello and say, well, you know, you know, Bailey's 31, Everly's 32. You know, they're going to decline. They both have contracts over five mil and they have term. Right. So fine. You, whatever. You're in a cap crunch. I don't know the financial situation in New York Islanders. It's never been great. So maybe that's part of the equation there. Why are you protecting Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck? You have some really interesting prospects out there that Seattle still might take it, in, you know, Kiefer Bellows. It um, makes no sense. A ton sense. of prospects on D. It, it makes no sense. And I would really like for someone to explain it to me yeah. to make it make sense. But I, you know, as mad as I was about our protected list, I can't even imagine being an Islanders fan and looking at that. And then it's frustrating. Has and to then be. there was just some other weird Carey Price. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's I the mean, big one that Carey Price out. is the big name, of course. And I don't think Seattle takes him because nobody wants that contract. But how do you not protect a guy who just took you to the finals? On his own. Yeah, I mean, that's just... <sighs> and I, I did read today that apparently there's some underlying injury issues um, I, I just, that frankly, may or may not be playing into this, but I just don't understand why you wouldn't protect Carey Price. Frankly, Montreal's list isn't that good. In my revised list, which had to go through a million revisions because... There were so many moves to protect players that would have been taken. So I had to kind of reshuffle what Seattle really was going to think about when when talking about team construction. Montreal's list is pretty sparse. I just, you know, you lose Jake Allen, you know, you're already spending, you know, 10.5 on your starter. Do you really need Jake Allen? I mean, go get a value backup. You know, go get a, you know, a Ronta or somebody for two mil. And why are you spending, you know, I think they're spending $4 million on Jake Allen. So they're, they're spending almost $15 million on, on the net. And they went so far out of the way to ostracize the guy who just took you to a cup final, their best player all decade and part of last. And to me, I don't care what the contract is. You have to, you have to do right by your players, by, the, by the, the team that just took you there. I don't get that. I don't think I'll ever understand that. To protect Jake Allen, of all players, with a decent-sized contract on his own. If they had taken Jake Allen, that would have been a favor to them. Yeah. I don't get it. It it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. And there were a lot. There were a lot of lists that really just were kind of mind-boggling. Ottawa left off Evgeny Dadanov, who was their big signing from last season. I mean, and even like Tampa, didn't they do the four and four? Yeah, they left. With all of those forwards that are that are so great and helped them win back-to-back cups, 
They did the four and four. Like, how how do you leave that many forwards unprotected? I mean, just po- to save an extra defenseman. I mean, I, I always kind of assumed that they were going to be intelligent enough to try to bribe the team, uh, the Seattle Kraken uh, management, with uh, maybe a first to try to unload Tyler Johnson. Doesn't look like they're going to go that way because Tyler Johnson has that big contract and isn't really no, and, a, a marquee contributor anymore. And um, they left. Uh, Yanni Gord and yeah. Andre Palat, you know, he's a little older, but both exposed. Yeah, one of them's going to get taken, and they're going to be stuck with Johnson. It it doesn't make any sense, and they're not nearly the worst ones. It, there's just some teams, too, when you look at their protected list, you realize they don't have anyone. Mm-mm. Like, um, I'm thinking of the Sharks, I'm thinking of Buffalo, yeah. I'm thinking of Calgary, they just don't have anyone, and it it's crazy, and it's going to be a wild ride next year. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I don't think the construction of the Seattle Kraken is any worse. Actually, it might be marginally better because of a couple good players that were left exposed. There's still some great hockey players out there. Uh, I think they'll have a, a solid, solid team. I think their goaltending will be really good, depending on whether they go with the big names or... Or they go with the players who are younger but have already proven they can be starters. You know, they can really put together a dominant forward group, a solid young defense, and a really good 1A1B goaltending tandem in a bunch of different ways. They're going to be fine. All that flutter of moves, all it did was shuffle the deck. It didn't really change much. But a lot of teams, I think, overthought it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, That that's definitely true. And... I think lastly on on the league news that I just wanted to touch on is some surprising UFAs that didn't get protected. And I mean, obviously it makes sense to not protect a UFA, but these are names like Landis Cog and Ovechkin. <laughs> Ovechkin. It, it's what? <laughs> it's strange. And and you know, for, in Ovechkin's case, I really do think there's a wink and a nudge situation going on. It's Yes, it's weird, but without the expansion draft, I think he already would have been locked up. And, I mean, Seattle should should take Landis Cog. There's Absolutely. not much else le- on, on their unprotected list to take from Colorado. And I think that they'd pay him what he wants to be paid. So that's a very interesting I, I cannot, thing to keep our, our eyes on. I cannot foresee an, a scenario where you absolutely, you don't take the chance to talk to him for an extra 10 days, throw 8 right. million at him for six there's, years. There's no one, there's no one like good enough to take from Colorado that. Not anymore. Right, right. Not after their moves. Because they traded, yeah, they traded. So there's no one I think good enough that you wouldn't want to just take the chance and try to pay Landis Cog. Because from what I hear, Colorado and Landis Cog are very far apart on numbers. Very so, far. So I. I don't know, like, if they can come to something and a brand new team who has some money to spend may be able to pay him what he wants to get paid. And they could center their entire team around him. I mean, it's like, I don't know, is Kiefer Sherwood or, you know, they're, JT they're Comfer? Un- they're unknown names. Or, or Jonas Johansson? Are they big enough? No. Na- or a crucial they're, enough they're pieces unknown. to Seattle? The normal hockey person wouldn't even know who any of those people are. Take your 10 days and, and go yeah. after them. Yeah, go after Landis Cog and make him the center of your entire team. Yep. I mean, that just makes the most sense to me, and it's just very interesting. And they're going to have Max Domi one, as, their, as your second one line. One other player I just wanted to mention that's huge out there <laughs> right now is Terry. 
Tarasenko didn't get protected. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, they have potential to get Tarasenko, and if they don't get Tarasenko, Tarasenko's getting traded, and we still have Eichel to worry about getting traded, and Taylor Hall still needs to be signed, and there's just a lot. There's a lot of movement going on, and it's going to make for an interesting couple of weeks coming up here. I think, I think um, and the most, most important for us, the goaltending situation hasn't really changed all that much. Aiden Hill got traded, but otherwise, things are pretty, pretty much stable. Uh, no teams have really re-signed their UFA uh, goaltenders. Uh, Florida's goalie Dredger is expected to get taken by Seattle, as we thought the last time we spoke on it. So, you know, those names, uh, oh, most most importantly, uh, Rask says he will retire if he's not re-signed. So yeah, that's one name off the board. But most of the names we spoke about last time are still out there. So a lot of UFA goaltenders. It does seem to me that maybe Hextall has a way to get rid of Jari and go sign somebody. And that would be that would make the, the rest of the offseason and our, our qualms with the rest of it, I think, go away a lot so, easier. So let's let's talk about the pens here. We let's talk about <laughs> what they've done in the last couple of days and what this could possibly mean. So obviously the biggest craziest thing that nobody expected was the trading of Jared McCann. So when this dropped, I was just like refreshing my Facebook because it was the weekend and I was like, what the heck is this trade? And (laughs) I wasn't expecting a trade at all. And I certainly wasn't expecting Jared McCann because I had heard, you know, on Twitter and stuff that Jared probably wasn't going to be protected. And I just kind of made peace with the fact that he was going to be the one that got taken. Everybody else was going to be safe. So when he got traded, you know, my initial thought was, all right, now we're losing two. And we're not getting anyone back. And I mean, yes, we did get someone back, but he's not going to play this season in Pittsburgh. So we have to still go out and get someone, most likely, to have that Jared McCann-type role on our team. So initially, it didn't make any sense. And then I kind of got angry because we just are getting rid of young players in their prime to keep old players. And, you know, that really ties into the fact that we protected Jeff Carter. Mm -hmm. So we protected Jeff Carter, who may retire next year. And we don't know anything about Jeff Carter. We saw such a small sample size who knows the type of season he's going to have? Is he going to stay healthy? Is he going to score goals? You know, is he going to be what we need him to be? I don't think you can you can know that based off of the small sample size we have from him. But why, why would you <laughs> ever keep a player like that protected when you have a young player in their prime who you're just getting rid of? It doesn't make sense. And it's poor asset management, and it makes me angry. Okay. That's my rant. I agree with you. Jared McCann, 5v5, is awesome. Power play, awesome. Defense got a lot better he, this year. He feel It feels like he's finally starting to put it all together. He and did if we this were year. Just, 
Yeah, and if we just remain patient with him, like you have to with most young players, it would have paid off for us. And the only thing I can think is that obviously he wasn't part of the long-term plan, so we figured we might as well go get some assets for him. But, but now, but we're going to lose somebody. Do? We're going to yeah. lose somebody important, right? So this is the way this is the way I've thought about this in terms of asset management. Jared McCann is worth more than what we got for him. There were worse players out there who got second and thirds. Yes, he's a pending RFA. He's going to get a slight raise. But you have contract control for another couple years. Or I believe it's just one more season. Still, you have contract control as the a team owning his rights. He is, a, is an absolutely, he's a top six winger. Uh, he also can play center. He's versatile. He's a great power play player. We saw all that. Yes, he went very cold in these last three playoffs. But again, one was a partial. This year, the stats would would suggest that he was exceptionally unlucky. He got to high danger areas and just didn't bury. I I just cannot fathom why you would sell so low on a player that could potentially be incredibly valuable. I understand he is you know, a little more diminutive. He, you know, isn't, doesn't throw his weight around defensively. He's not, you know, an all-star. So maybe he wasn't part of the future plans. Maybe we didn't want to resign him after his RFA contract was up. Fine. Maximize the value on that player. I like Philip Hollander. We, we traded McCann for a seventh round pick next or two it's, years from now. And Philip Hollander. I like Hollander. I think he's yeah, a great it's, prospect. It's the ping ponging for me that I can't stand. Yeah. You know, trade Kapanen, get Phil Kessel, go get Phil, get rid of Philip, get Philip. Like it just, if you like a prospect, stick with the prospect like this going back and forth and back and forth with Toronto is absolutely insane. And, this, and it is no way it is no way to build your prospect pool. And yeah, now we're starting to see some of those old trades from Rutherford look even worse. And we had an asset who had finally come out of all of those trades, whether it was the Broussard trade, the the, the Kessel trade, um, the Kapanen trade, the Zucker trade, that finally had really panned out. And we sold as low as imaginable. It's just... It really does frustrate me. And you think about all the firsts that we gave away, all the prospects. You know, you're talking about you know, three firsts, uh, Gustafson uh, to the to the Senators. You're talking about marquee prospects. Yes, we got Hollander back, but at what cost? And and he's he was our second round pick. He shouldn't have been gone in the first place. Yeah. We needed to get to a point a few years ago where we stopped. Trading, trading our pieces away like mm-hmm. we have no future and now we have to do all these dumb trades to go back and get some people and it's it's just I it's just, disheartening and i feel like you know penn's twitter kind of blew up and i can i get completely it. understand for once a lot of times it's wild on there for no reason but it's just insane so i mean with this with this trade obviously i was shocked and then i was mad so in my third stage of grief i decided to think of it logically. Why would we ever do this? It does not make any sense. And for Toronto, it makes even less sense. <laughs> the only thing I can think of for Toronto is that they wanted a, they wanted bait for Seattle. They didn't want to lose anyone, so they traded for I McCann think, to bait 
Seattle into taking him. That's literally the only thing I can think of. But for logic on our end, I think that if Evgeny Malkin was going to be healthy for the start of this coming season, Jeff Carter would not have been protected. Yep. But I think in management's mind, Jared McCann couldn't play 2C for up to, it could be up to... 60 games? Yeah, 60 games. He couldn't play 2C and or even stay healthy for that long to play 2C, and we needed Carter to fill that 2C role until Gino comes back. And I think that is the only thing I can think of that makes the trade make sense. But here's the thing. Fine. Then leave... For whatever reason, if you think that Teddy Bluger is more valuable, and I'm a big Teddy Bluger fan. I mean, I have his uh, player T. I've seen him in Wilkes. I love the guy. If you think Teddy Bluger, for whatever reason, is more valuable as an asset than, or even to this this team over the next two seasons than Jared McGann, uh, McCann is fine. Injury situation, you protect Carter. Fine, I get it. This is your window. Go for it. You end your window. If it, if we can even consider ourselves borderline contenders at this point why trade him for nothing and now you're going to lose another important piece right that's what doesn't make sense to me like if if you're going to get rid of jared mccann just just let seattle take him yeah because then we only lose one piece is a seventh rounder and philip hollander is that payoff worth more than i don't know Jason Zucker or Zach Aston Reese? In my mind, no. And I don't think many people would say, yeah, because that's really what you're comparing. And to me, the answer on that one is pretty obvious. This team has players right now. Do I think Hollander will be a solid 3C going forward? Probably. But then it makes the Bluger, you know, if you really believe in that prospect that much, it makes the Bluger decision even more dumbfounding because then why why worry about Bluger's resigning? So much. <laughs> right. That's it. None of it, none of it makes any sense. Uh, so just to quickly go over the list that we did protect, uh, we protected Crosby, Malkin, Gensel, Rust, obviously. Kapanen, Carter, and Bluger, which, uh, okay. And then <laughs> Latang, Dumoulin, Matheson, Jerry. So I agree with the defense. Uh, goalie could have gone either way. It doesn't really matter to me. And obviously, I agree with the first four. Kapanen, I was very scared he was going to get left unprotected, so I'm very glad he did. He's another up-and-coming player in his prime that you do not get rid of. Plus, we've given up too much to get him back. He's like 22. You yes. Know, he's, got, uh, he's got so much untapped potential. You started to really see it. I, and I'm fine protecting, you know, one of the centers because we always have an issue with center depth. So I, I understand wanting to protect, you know, more centers than wings. I get that. But the problem I have now is that we have Tanev. We have Czar. And who else? Zucker. Zucker, yes. And we have I mean, a, a lot of forwards unprotected. And Zucker was kind of always my choice to get taken. I love Zucker, but we could really use that cap space. And... Here's, I just did not expect Tanev to be available. I I wasn't sure. I, I kind of was leaning that he would be. And in my list, I protected Czar over Zucker because I thought he was valuable. And here's my here's my biggest fear, right? Because they did this saying, oh, well, we cleared 2.5 in cap space or 2.4, whatever McCann was making on his last contract. 
that's not much for you know a third liner who prov- provides what well, he does. And especially considering we need to now replace Jared McCann. Yes, and and here's the other thing: what if they take Czar? I think there's a 50-50 chance they do. I really do. I think he's got probably the best chance of getting taken. I think it's about a 50% chance they take Czar. I think it's about a 30% chance now, they take Zucker. And maybe 20% one of Patterson or Tanev if they take their, you know, if they're interested in one of them so for some let's, reason. So let's talk about best case scenario, worst case scenario. Yeah. So worst case scenario is they take Czar. This is worst case for multiple reasons. <laughs> the most glaring one for me is that he's the best defensive forward that we have he's one of the top five defensive yeah. forwards in the league i he's mean that good he's at, insane at he is the perfect bottom sixer and we will desperately miss him obviously reason number two if we do lose him our cap situation is still terrible yep he costs no money so the, his absolute worst case scenario is for them to take zucker i mean sorry czar mm-hmm. best case for me would be zucker or Pedersen. And Pedersen would be glorious. Pedersen would be glorious for multiple reasons. One, we don't want him. Two, we'd save money. And three, we probably wouldn't have to go out and get another forward. We would another, Yeah, we wouldn't. Yeah, we Zucker, wouldn't. Have to Zucker get would forward. be we would just bounce a bet yeah, on Zucker, Zucker bouncing would back. Be that that guy. Yep. So Pedersen for me is best case scenario. One thing I did see today from Penguins Jesus on Twitter. <laughs> follow him just a thought and i it got me thinking is he mentioned that um the defense list that's available is really bad well there are not a lot of good defensemen available to seattle there are a lot of amazing defensemen the problem i think and maybe he was getting at this is that their games played is really low so if, if you look at the list that i draft there's probably like 100 NHL games played between them. So having somebody like Pedersen, who's cost-controlled and young, but has also played a bunch, could be appealing. I yeah, could see it. I, I think that, and it got me thinking, it made me a little more hopeful just to see that thought, because I hadn't even really thought of that. When I looked through the, the defense list of, of, you know, the top available defense, and I was like, ooh, well, that's going to be hard hard for them to build a good defensive. They're, they're interested in Nikita Zadorov from Chicago, not because he's the best person available from that team. I think Gaudette and there's a couple others who are, but because he is one of those young defensemen who's played a bunch. Well, I think it all is really going to come down to, does Seattle want to put the, the best, most well-rounded team on the ice, or are they just going to pluck the best the best player that's available from each team? Yeah, and, and salary cap spaces is definitely a concern. Do I think Zucker could slot into their top six very realistically? Absolutely. Do I think Czar is a Francis-type player? Absolutely. I don't think they're going to want to spend 5.5 on Zucker. I don't know. He's he's one of the few forwards available that has scored 30 goals. And he's it's not like he's regressed in terms of overall play. He still has a positive impact and, on the ice. And the, the hardest part about it, you look at these last two seasons, and like everyone's kind of regressed a bit yeah other i mean then like your main stars at the end it's of the day it's just been a rough couple of of years for everyone and they've played hockey and then been off for many months and then played hockey and been off and i think that just is is hard on the player and yeah. i don't think that zucker's regressed as a player even I just, though his stats may 
may show that. I just, I don't know. I'm thinking about Ron Francis type players. Honestly, any of those four players could fit the mold of what he's trying to build. None of them, you know, I'm, I'm starting to think like, you know, your, your one dimensional offensive players aren't necessarily going to be your Ron Francis type player, but all four of those players play the game both ways. And I could see him going for any of them, depending on how he constructs the more crucial pieces of his lineup. Right. So really trying to prognosticate this is tough. And I do want to mention... Well, if he goes out and gets Landis Cog, I think he'll more go for for Czar or Pedersen. But Maybe. if he doesn't go out and get a big-name player like Landis Cog or Tarasenko, he, he may want a Jason Zucker. Frankly, I think it's between... You know, I think he's going to pick one of Everly Bailey from the Islanders. And then I think it's really going to... And maybe I'm thinking way too much into this, but I think it's going to be between like Dadanov of Ottawa or Zucker of Pittsburgh, because those are your two forwards making around five mil each. Which one do you like better? I don't know, but you, you definitely ha- I think he's going to slot in with a decent right winger right there outside of whoever he picks from the aisles. And so if you were, it's up. To, it's who's guess if you if, if if it was you picking and and the expansion draft was tonight. Who would you pick from the Penguins? Based on what Seattle has, I think you take I think you take the sure offensive thing in Zucker. They need Agreed. they need some firepower. Now, who do you think And I like going, him better than Dad. Who do you think they're going to take? I think they will take Czar because they've they've kind of floated the idea that they're going to go on the lower end of the salary cap range. The team I've constructed is a little more towards the upper mid-tier. And, you know, if they're looking to save pennies, I mean, Czar is definitely one of the kind of guys that can do that and still be a very effective top, you know, third line, fourth line type player. Um, so I'm going to say I think they're going to take Pedersen because I want to put that good energy out into the <laughs> But actually, I think they're going to take Czar. <laughs> so, you know, I've, I flipped a little bit, but based on what they've said and the few tidbits we've gotten from Francis, I do want to mention, though, couple things one we project we protected jerry so maybe there's a trade in the works maybe maybe yeah and mike matheson was the third protected d there was a lot of chatter around all the beat writers rossi in particular and i, I don't know I'm, I'm always dunking on him but he got that so wrong so many times matheson his, i think his final list had us protecting ufa cody cc which made no sense like no dude that's not you know, a thing Friedman would that have, we would ever do. Friedman would have at least made some sense. You're not protecting a, a, a dime a dozen UFA like Cody CC. Yes, he had a great season, but he's going to be like under two mil probably in this market with a flat cap. You don't protect that. I just, it doesn't make any sense to me. He was dead wrong. I mean, Matheson was exactly the type of player that we are looking for on defense. He's big. He skates and well. Does does he cost a little too much? Yes. Is his contract too long? Yes. But he's the future of our defense. And I was so thankful when I saw that come out, that we yep. protected him. He's dynamic. And I, I, I think that when Latang really goes on the backslide of his career, he's going to slot into that same sort of role and be a little bit more physical than Latang was. Yeah, yeah. So the upside is there. Yes. Are you overpaying a little bit on potential for the moment? Probably. Do I think it'll pay off? He, he's showing only positive sides signs in my, in my mind. So yes, 
Are you looking between Matheson and Pedersen? Which one do I want to leave exposed? 100 times out of 100 after these recent yeah, playoffs, I want to leave, you know, the slight, yeah. lanky Pedersen exposed. Yeah. Um, and we just have to hope that Seattle <laughs> sees something in Pedersen and we'll, we'll take him off our hands because I mean, that would be absolutely amazing. He's not a bad player. He passes extraordinarily well. It would also give us some money to potentially go out and get a goaltender, especially if we can unload Jerry somewhere. Yeah. Which I think, isn't that been a little bit rumored? Yeah. That uh, Hextall has... And that might just be wishful thinking, but I, I, I think it's possible, and I can't I can't really make sense of why they would protect Jerry over to Smith other than they wanted to have a starting goalie if they strike out on UFAs. But after that offseason, you just you leave them exposed. So maybe they do have a trade in the works. I'm hoping so, obviously. Uh, last, yeah. Lastly, with uh, Brandon Tanev, do you think he has a chance of getting taken? Like I said, I think it's probably around the same percentile as Patterson. I would put it at 10%. I just think that Zucker and Czar are more attractive for different reasons. Tanev is, is a great player, you know, but they're, they're going to have so many heart and soul type guys. Right. We, we need the heart and soul type guy, not them. They're going to have that because that's what happens with, I mean, you saw it with Vegas. Everybody on Vegas is a heart and soul guy because they had to band together. They were the team of misfits and they had to become that. So they don't, they don't need his type. I think they're, I, I don't know. I just think he falls in that weird middle ground where he's not a perfect defensive forward and he's not going to, he's not going to score you, you know, 25 goals more than likely. So, you know, what role does he really fit for Seattle when they're already going to have a lot of, you know, a couple vets that are that are really going to, you know, drive the heart of the room anyway? Yes, is he a Francis type of player? Yeah. And is, is he valuable for what he does? Of course. But, you know, if they're going analytics heavy and they're trying to stay on the cheap side, you know, they're going to go czar. If they're going analytics heavy and they just want goals... They're going to pay for it in Zucker. I just, I don't see where he would slot into that roster. Could he? Absolutely. Um, They'd probably find a spot for him. Uh, But, you know, 3.5 or whatever it is for a third liner, which is where he would necessarily need to be. I I don't know if they want to pay for that. Doesn't sound like that's their philosophy at the moment. I would also very much like to see Tanev and Kapanen on the same line next year. Yeah. I think that would be really cool. We found out kind of this offseason that they're they're very close outside of hockey. And I think that they could maybe work well with Gino when Gino comes back. But And, and they're both quick, too, and I think Gino's going to need that. Tanev's, I, I, I don't know, Tanev's finishing is, is tough. I think it would be good. Yeah, but if he's on a line with Gino and Kapanen, that's I, not a problem. I think it would be a good playoff line. I'm not necessarily sure it would work for... 82 games well, however have to because Gino yeah isn't gonna be playing for a bit so maybe so. maybe that's two-thirds of a third line yeah and you you know worry about you know Carter with two other players right um that would make some sense so I mean there's there's a lot of different configurations a lot of things could happen uh I do know we're trying to shed salary to make a splash most likely in goaltending goaltending who who do you go after uh, I go on the cheaper end. I go for Ranta. People are afraid of his his injuries recently, the last two years, but his numbers are still fine. 
Like, I just don't understand why people shy away with, from goaltenders who have injury problems. That can happen to anybody. Unless it's a, a recurring head injury or, you know, something which is going to repeat over the course of a career, I, I don't understand the hesitation, but it will keep his price down right. in replacement. And I think Aranta to Smith tandem, yes, it's not flashy. Fans might poo-poo it. I think by the end of the year, that could be a really solid tandem. They're both top 20 goaltenders when they're healthy. Um, based on like save percentage and goals saved above expected or uh, anticipated, so I'm I'm a big fan of his. I would also love to go after Morazic, but I think he's going to be a little too rich for our blood. Uh, I could be wrong, um, but he's also a top. He's probably a top fifteen goaltender the last couple seasons. Did he get replaced by Nedeljevic in in Colorado or in Carolina uh, coming into these playoffs? He did, but that's because Nadejevic is their future, and they knew that. They wanted to give him a shot. Well, it's it's the same situation that we had a couple years ago. You, mm-hmm. you go and and like Tampa did the same thing with Vajlevsky. That's just you know that that's what you do. I don't want to go for the big gun. I don't want to go for Grubauer. He's great, but he's going to get overpaid. And yeah. in net, when you're constructed with when you're constructing a team, you have to maximize every cap dollar. And I think in net is where you save save them yeah montreal this year not uh being considered uh a normal circumstance you don't usually spend that much in net and get away with it uh yeah so i I, i'm i'm hopeful on that front i'm still frustrated that we lost jared mccann for a bag of peanuts so obviously there's lots coming with the draft with the expansion draft expansion drafts on wednesday the regular draft is on Friday and Saturday. We won't even be picking until Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> so if you could take the day off on Friday and relax, we have nothing to do with that. But yeah, there's just going to be a lot, I think, a lot of change and craziness going on around the league. Hopefully the Pens do a little bit more. I don't want to see them change drastically, but obviously there's a few pieces we still need to clean up. But it'll definitely be interesting. Uh, next time we come out with an episode, we will talk about whatever prospects we end up with. So that will be kind of cool to dig in and, and see who who we end up picking with our few picks that we do have. And then just some other news to mention. The preseason schedule dropped today. So we will be getting started here on September 27th against Columbus. I'm excited to play other teams again that aren't <laughs> the the teams that we've been playing all year. So we play Columbus twice, we play Buffalo twice, and we play Detroit twice in the preseason. So that goes from the 27th of September to October 9th. So you have to think the regular season will start a couple of days after that, probably the second or third week of October. So a little bit later, but not too much later than normal. And... I think right now they're saying that the schedule will be released at the end of this week. So we'll see if that holds up. I know right now they're trying to figure out with the Olympics and still trying to get done in April. I know there's some back and forth going on with the GMs with that. But we should have a schedule hopefully sometime this week, if not this week, next week. So we at least have a date we can look forward to. Finally. When Mm -hmm. hockey is coming back. So, again, that's September 27th for the Pens. Uh, CBJ, we will be playing at home 
and that is the start of preseason. So very excited, looking forward to catching some games. Yeah, that'll be that'll definitely be a game to play all of our prospects. I mean, it always Absolutely. is the beginning of preseason, but CBJ's got a rough looking roster. So <laughs> well, yeah, they're another one. There, I mean, we didn't even talk about Domi. Yeah. Being left unprotected. That that's just crazy. I mean, or, I don't even think there's much to say about that, that other than what after all is of, going on. After all of that. McCann is still unprotected by Toronto. So, right. I mean, right. There are just some very questionable decisions right. by GMs. Yep. And well, Seattle mean, should be the beneficiary. Yeah, it's been the the general managers have gone crazy. They've gone wild. We none of us know what's going on. So, yeah, it'll it'll be cool to to see what happens and what kind of team Seattle creates. It will be terrifying. They're going to be good. <laughs> They're going to be good. Yeah. But anyways, I think that's everything from us for this week. So as always, you can catch us on Twitter at the pair at the point or at the FHN. And we will be back next week with some more news, probably some more trades, maybe some expansion draft stuff. And definitely looking at our prospect yeah, that we yeah. pick in the draft. You, you never round. know these days what's going to go on. So we'll be back next week with some more exciting things. And that's all from us. Bye. Bye.